for the first time in my life, I meaningfully and patiently listened to egalitarian scholars. <laughs> and I couldn't believe how, um, that I'd, I'd never even heard some of these angles. I'd been so, so taught uh, that they were wrong, 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 and that to listen to these guys was to head in the direction of feminism and liberalism. Uh, but when you actually listen to uh, how scholarly these interpretations, scriptural passages were, and I, I read very carefully, I just read back and forth, back and forth, everything I could get my hands on. And it dawned on me that probably the egalitarian scholars, although they, I certainly identified some flaws that I maybe still agree with, disagree with to this day, that, uh, that they had a stronger case. Welcome to the Eden Podcast, where we true the verse of Genesis 3.16, and we discover that God didn't curse Eve or Adam or limit woman in any way. There were some leaders that had been around a lot longer who expressed in the leadership team real doubts about our doctrinal position, that complementarianism was right at all, and, and, and pointed out that we'd never done really good work on this. We'd just take, you know, we just referred to Wayne Grudem's article on, you know, uh, 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 Kefale, and, uh, and we needed to write our own position paper. And I just handed over leadership of my congregation. I was freed up to bring more preaching and theological mindedness to the church. I was very excited to lean into the space. I knew that our position was correct, that soft complementarianism was the way to go. Uh, and I just needed to pull together all of the texts in the right way and write this paper. And I had time in my hands and I thought, well, I, I must hear from all the sides on this angle. And for the first time in my life, I meaningfully and patiently listened to egalitarian scholars <laughs> and I couldn't believe how um that I'd, I'd never even heard some of these angles I'd been so taught uh, that they were wrong 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 and that to listen to these guys was to head in the direction of feminism and liberalism uh, but when you actually listen to uh, how scholarly these interpretations scriptural passages were and I I read very carefully. I just read back and forth, back and forth, everything I could get my hands on. And it dawned on me that probably the egalitarian scholars, although they, I certainly identified some flaws that I maybe still agree with, disagree with to this day, that uh, that they had a stronger case on the teaching of the Bible. The complementarians had fixate, had basically looked at the whole Bible through the small key lens of 1 Timothy 2 verse 12. I don't permit a woman to teach or to authenticate a man. And one particular interpretation of that, and if you look at the Bible through those lenses, you bend every other scriptural passage to reinforce that, that, that idea. And when it dawned on me that uh, if that interpretation was questioned and if a compelling you know, alternate interpretations could be put forward, the, the case uh, dissipates. I also discovered that that really there was one key word in 1 Timothy 2 verse 12 upon which the whole case rested. It was the meaning of the word authentane. And uh, and I came across a PhD thesis by Jamie Hübner, who had done really good work on the scholar, scholarship around the, the meaning of authentane at the time of Paul's writing it. And um, and I realized there was a hapex legomenon, which means that... Um, just found once in the Bible, not only that, a very rare word in antiquity, and 
probably it didn't mean exercise authority. Probably it meant something more like control or force or dominate. And uh, when I realized that they, that that translation exercise authority was probably wrong, the whole thing imploded. <laughs> it's like the foundation was removed and it just came crashing down. So I, I, I mentally got hold of the other most um, integral leaders in the church. And I said, guys, I need to admit that I've changed my mind. I think we've got it wrong. And at first they responded really well because I was so theologically influential in the church. I was naive. I thought I could change all of our minds if I could just uh, take people along the same uh, you know, pathway of inquiry I'd been on, everybody would see it too. Come to think of it, I sound much like I did a, a, when I first became a Christian. Just yeah. show them what I've seen and they'll <laughs> they'll have the same aha moment. And uh, I, I turned out it turned out to be quite naive. Um basically, if you change your mind on this, it you have to restructure the entire church. And a church that's on its own, uh, you know, a truly independent church is more capable of making the change. But if you're part of a movement or a denomination where this is one of the pillars of that denomination, to change your mind on, on that particular verse and in this particular doctrinal point is to forfeit uh, membership in a tribe. Most church leaders and churches uh, get draw a lot of energy and stability and safeness from knowing the tribe of churches that they're part of. And, mm -hmm. and church leaders have worked hard to build relationships with a larger connection of churches. You're actually asking people to change their mind on this doctrinal point is to change their alliances to forfeit, uh, you know, connections that they've had for a very long time. At the same time, You've got a group of people. You'll have some people that are willing to really be open-minded. And other people will, you know, will say, well, let me read up on this. And it'll go straight to the strident complementarian literature, which will repeatedly use the word, the Bible clearly says, the Bible clearly says, beware the liberals, beware feminism, the Bible clearly says. Mm -hmm. And uh, and people don't like um not knowing for sure, and the cognitive bias of the human mind is to latch onto certainty. So, you know, for the church I was part of to change consisted of 10 congregations that were in cl close alliance. Uh, sociologically, mm -hmm. the chances of all 10 of those leaders changing their minds on this in a short period of time, I was asking for a sociological miracle. <laughs> it turned out that there were some people that changed their mind, um, uh, but, but, uh, it, my, I realized that it was implausible that everybody would change their mind. And uh, so I realized I'd actually come to the end of my own tenure in this particular church. You know, we'd always said that there were certain um, close-handed issues that if you were going to be a, a leader in this church, and one of those close-handed issues was complementarianism. Mm -hmm. uh, so so I ended up uh, you know, moving away from that community. It felt really painful because I had no... Mm -hmm. uh, plans to move away from that community also to be fair i felt i felt the process because it's i thought we were going to have a sincere conversation around it uh, although we had a conversation it seemed very one-sided and predetermined so mm -hmm. so it put a lot of pressure on our relationships uh, and i felt unhappy with the process and i and i vocalized my unhappiness <laughs> You know, we we've doing we're doing more and more of the Eden podcast and we're having people contacting us and they're saying, I'm in a church like the one you were you were in. Yes, yeah. And uh they're not the pastor, they're just members yeah. of it, and they yes. it's the best church in town. Yeah. And and they say, What do I do? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, you what know, do you what do I do? Yeah. So uh, one of the things that uh, we've been doing here at True 316 is that we started out Joy, my wife, Dr. Joy Fleming, is a scholar yeah. in the Old Testament. And yeah. so she did her studies on Genesis 2 and 3. I'd like to yeah. talk about that in a minute. But um, and as a result of learning what she did, I said, that really has an impact on on creation order that's supposed to be in First Timothy 2, and yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we've gone ahead and uh, gone into that in depth. Joy did her doctoral work on Genesis 2 and 3, yeah. and then I did mine on First Timothy yeah. 2 and yeah. 3. And that, oh, and wow. that turned... Okay. I'm going to hold up my book. Ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> it turned into a book <laughs> called uh, yeah. Back to Eden, 1 Timothy yeah. 2 and 3. Yeah. So even though I can recommend, I say, look at this book, or I can recommend your book. Yeah, and yeah. here it is, ta-da, on my, on my phone. Uh, it's <laughs> called How God Sees Women, The End of Patriarchy. Yeah. Even though we have these resources, what's a yeah. person supposed to do when they're, when they're in a congregation and they're kind of, they're, they don't even want to talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are a leader in the church, then maybe you should be afraid to talk about it because you run the risk of <laughs> of being mm-hmm. of being ousted. I mean, let's just be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever, um, if you're an ordinary person in the church, you don't have much skin in the game. <laughs> church leaders don't expect everyone in their church to agree with them on secondary issues. We're happy to people to come in who've got different views on things as long as you're not a vocal dissident so i encourage our church members to make appointments with their pastors and just say hey i've had real doubts about this particular uh doctrinal uh, aspect of our church and i've done some reading and i would really appreciate your feedback on uh, what i've read (laughs) so you don't come in fighting you come in curious humble Mm-hmm. And you say, would you be open to reading this book and helping me to make sense of it? Because it seems pretty compelling to me that there is another way of taking on uh, these particular passages. And after all, I do think our church would be even stronger if we released women onto the leadership team and into the pulpit. I think a fairly strong case can be made that uh, diversity is strength. And uh, if you've got mm-hmm. a leadership team, and it's just men. Uh, well, maybe the, that leadership team could make better decisions if there's some women on that team. And when it comes to pastoring people, uh, you know, we all had enough experiences of men really blowing it and trying to pastor women. And then when it comes to preaching, we just keep hearing that, you know, the typical masculine approach on scriptures. And when it's amazing when women open up scripture, they often see an angle that is in the text, but that mm-hmm. some are men tend to miss. And uh, so you can make a case and, and then say, and there, there, there are some, and, and, and it'll have a great evangelistic appeal for some non-Christians, at least this will be a, a deterrent to the gospel. They expose to these communities that are, have just got male leaders. It, it just raises a needless obstacle mm-hmm. in some people's minds. And then churches everywhere are losing people, uh, you know, complementarian churches, some people saying, hey, I, I just can't do it anymore. I'm going to go find, an egalitarian church so so complementarian pastors uh, are often if you come to them quite skillfully will say okay let's let's lean into this and um and i you know i get um emails from complementarian pastors all around the world that are busy changing their mind mm-hmm. there comes a moment in their own journey where they have enough doubts and they 
they, 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 it might dawn upon them that they perhaps have been stuck in an echo chamber on some interpretations of scripture. And if nothing else, sheer curiosity might make them open to reading more widely. And uh, I mean, that is our hope that more and more people will read more widely, uh, you know, uh, understand alternate perspectives on doctrines that perhaps they're overly confident, confident about, and especially respond to the arguments that probably any local church uh, will be a more forceful, uh, life-giving, you know, arena in their city if there are men and women leading it and men and women behind the pulpits. So you, you said you, some really, I'm sorry, go oh, ahead. No, you go, go ahead, Joanne. We're both wanting to, we got lots of stuff to ask. Go ahead, Joanne, you go first. <laughs> well, it, you said something very intriguing. And that yeah. is that for um, for the pastor and congregant alike, there is a sense of, of in-group. You didn't use those words, but that was yeah. the idea that yeah. I was getting. Yeah. I'm part yeah. of a tribe. This is how we yeah. think. This is who we are. Yeah. And then the longer you feel connected with this tribe, the more yeah. risky perhaps it feels to... Yeah consider joining a tribe you're not very familiar with yeah. it is what happens during the conversion experience yeah yeah i was not yeah. a christian before and suddenly yeah. i am who are these yeah. people yeah yeah and, so and not only I was the fear of loss it's not just the fear of the new tribe it's right. the fear of losing the existing tribe yeah carry on because who 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 they are is who i am i yeah. am me because we are us yeah and yeah. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your internal experience as you began wondering if perhaps this wasn't your tribe anymore and you were part of something else or, or, you know, that you were going through this process of maybe I don't have it right after all internal yeah. though. Yeah. Um, I was stubbornly holding on to the idea that this tribe was my tribe and that uh, we would, hold it we would stay in the conversation long enough to to come to light on it mm -hmm. i i i had no other church or movement of churches that excited me i felt like i was part of the best church in town uh, you know i suppose all all good churches should make you feel that <laughs> like, mm -hmm. we should all our church should be our favorite church so i didn't have a escape hatch in my mind well if this doesn't work it's that so it was mm -hmm. a it was a strange ending it was a feeling of um you know, being washed onto an island <laughs> and having having to start again. And uh, my own story is a story of God's surprising redemption, because um, you know, I, I mentioned that it, it, this this one particular church reached out to me. Well, I knew that they were egalitarian and men and women could lead, and they emphasized a mutual submission in marriage. So okay, it could work on those fronts. But the other aspects of the church in my mind didn't feel like they were a natural fit for me. And uh, but somehow uh, I ended up being part of this church and realized there were aspects of this church that I really liked that that were not my creation. The previous church I had helped to shape hugely. This particular church uh, taught me some things <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and and in a sense have created a new chapter in my life of of discovering new aspects of the Christian faith that I really like. Um, and and now I'm in a church that's got its own appeal. It's winning all kinds of people that maybe it's my, my previous church wasn't able to reach uh, or hold. Mm. So I've got a lovely story of redemption. It was a crucifying experience, but fast mm -hmm. forward, there was a resurrection coming. <laughs> wow. But all around, very powerful and moving. It wasn't simply a, a philosophical yeah. switch. 
yeah. it was almost a life switch. It sounds like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and for me, to be honest, it was it it was started off exegetical, and then it ended up being mm -hmm. a life switch. It was mm -hmm. I, I I was just interested in what the Bible really taught on mm -hmm. this particular point. You know, did, is the Bible inspired by God? We wouldn't build a doctrine on just one passage, and certainly not just one interpretation of one passage. What does the whole Bible say on it? And have mm -hmm. we interpreted each passage correctly? How do you piece all of this together? I was mm -hmm. absolutely drawn in by this exegetical and synthetical, the bringing together of all of these texts task. Yeah. So I, I, that's that was my conversion was intellectual. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was intellectual, and then then as the penny dropped, I began to realize the implications. Um, you know, uh, how different our church would be if we believe it didn't believe this and we believe that. How different my marriage might be. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Taryn, uh, in in looking into what you've been doing in your ministry and, and what you've been teaching, I came across a wonderful video a teaching thing that you did a while back on Priscilla and Aquila. Oh, thank you. So, if they if they had founded a church in Cape Town, what would it look yeah. like? Yeah, I think that was on that was on your mind. I don't know if the church you're in now uh, looks yeah. like Priscilla and Aquila's church. I hope oh, it does. Okay. Yeah. Could you could you bring out some of the high points of what you've discovered about Priscilla and Aquila and how that how that should influence our thinking? Okay, if I can say a few things about Priscilla and Aquila. True 316 Foundation is the home of the Eden Podcast. Join us for $3.16 a month or more. Let's true the verses on the key passages on women and men. Go to true316.com slash partner. I'm Dr. Joy Fleming, co-founder of the True 316 Foundation. We mention many great books on the Eden Podcast. We are making them available to you for purchase on our website at true316.com slash truebooks. That's true316.com slash T-R-U-B-O-O-K-S. These books are by our own True 316 authors, such as Bruce and myself, and by our guests on the Eden Podcast. By purchasing these books on true316.com, the True 316 Foundation will be helped with a small commission, and the authors will benefit directly from the sales. We add titles regularly to our site, so check today and do some shopping at true316.com slash trubooks true316.com slash truebooks. True 316 is strengthening and encouraging many, and we're getting stories every day of lives changed through our ministry. We're the home of the Eden podcast, and we're getting the word out that God didn't curse Eve or Adam or limit woman in any way. Our volunteer help is wonderful, and we grow stronger with each new true partner who gives to the True 316 Foundation so that we can cover the costs to do the technical work of the Eden podcast, to coordinate our true school workshops like the two-week Eden workshop on Genesis 2 and 3, and to make the True 316 Foundation function in its outreach to scholars and students around the world. You can give now with a one-time gift. And better still, you can join now and become a monthly donor. We call our monthly donors our true partners. Please join now by going to true316.com slash partner. 